Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Julie Brooks. We recorded this a few weeks ago at my house in Portland, Oregon. Get Up in the Cool Volume 3, the best of 2018 compilation album, is now available for pre-order. If you want to hear high-fidelity versions of some of last year's best tunes to be featured on the show, from guests like Roger Netherton and Jane Rothfield, follow the link in the show notes on your podcast app or this episode's Facebook post. And if you want a CD, pre-order now. I only printed so many, and I just finished my tour with Jake Blunt, so hopefully I'm almost out. This episode is brought to you by the Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp. Earful of Fiddle is an immersive lakeside music and dance camp in Rodney, Michigan, whose mission is the use of traditional music and dance as community-building entertainment, fostering creative arts practice. Now in its 11th year, Earful of Fiddle provides instruction in percussive dance, song, fiddle, guitar, banjo, mandolin, cello, and uke, as well as informal music sessions and evening dances from June 23rd through the 28th, 2019. This year's instructors include Ruby John, Bruce Bauman, Jake Blunt, Micah Ling, Nick Garris, and Danielle Enblom. Also, I'm going to be there recording live Get Up in the Cool episodes, so please come hang out with us. To register, visit earfulloffiddle.com or follow the link in the show notes in your podcast app or this episode's Facebook post. I want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how you can keep up with this week's amazing guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Julie Brooks. Enjoy.
Julie Brooks. Welcome Hello. to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Joel Brown. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you so Good much. Good to have you back. <laughs> Good to be here. Uh, but I'm not interviewing you today. No, you're not. Feel free to pipe in. Uh, Except maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, yeah, because you two play together. But uh, this is the first time I've really specific... I'm sorry about this, by the way. That I've specifically wanted to interview someone about old-time guitar uh, tune playing. <laughs> so I don't know why it's taken like 140 episodes for me to get around to it. It's so obvious, but yeah. So. I guess I'm sort of honored, but also offended on behalf of old-time <laughs> guitarists. <laughs> Happy to be the first, though. You're welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, one of the main things that like kind of pushed it over the edge we met at the P's and Q's jam. I think that's where we met, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. must have been. The yeah. P's and Q's market jam that Hannah Trainum runs in Portland, Oregon, which is where we're at now. Which is also where I met you, Joel. Oh, very good. Yeah. <laughs> like the very first time I came after moving to Portland. Totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, unfortunately, mostly just play fiddle there, even though I don't really know how to play. And uh, I played the Fly-By-Night, Fly-By-Night, Cumberland Gap, uh, in D, which is the weirdest, crookedest tune ever, and you just absolutely nailed it, like, <laughs> very early on, and that, I don't think that's ever, ever happened. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I gotta, like, interview you. You seem to, like, yeah, have a, uh, a very intuitive, like, understanding of how old-time music works in a way that I think only, like, a guitarist <laughs> would. <laughs> and I want to, like, understand where how guitarists think about the music and yeah. So thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's kind of funny because in that same jam, I recall um, starting a tune that I didn't know on the offbeat. Like yeah. thinking it was the onbeat. So like, I feel like the spontaneity and um, sort of ignorance out of which I do this. Like sometimes the intuition fails and sometimes it really succeeds. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to, be in that position where I don't have to know anything in advance. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, also, like, I don't know, everything I've done so far goes into it, too. So, so I guess that's maybe something we could start talking about. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the instrument in the context of a jam because you are deciding what the harmony is, like <laughs> yes. how the tune will be interpreted, and you're deciding the rhythm, like literally which one, which note is the downbeat. <laughs> like it's yes. all on you. You mess it up. Apparently so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, getting into this music was that um, was that overwhelming or was that intimidating? It was definitely intimidating, but I was really lucky to have some really good friends who kept asking me to play with them. It was uh, Robin Fisher and Drone yeah. McAllister, the Bearcat String yeah. Band. Yes. So when I was down there, I don't even really remember when we started, um, when they started asking me to play gigs with them. Um, but probably like four years before I moved up here, so like. 2013 or something yeah. um, but like they were just really supportive and um, just kept on telling me to show up and do what I was doing and I didn't know the repertoire and I feel like I still don't know a lot of the repertoire regional styles and differences but um, they you know it just makes all the difference in the world to feel like someone is encouraging you and yeah. <laughs> wants you to be doing this and so that's what got me into it and then I just started really loving it yeah. So you just had like a, a, a very safe learning environment. I did. That allowed you yeah. to actually listen to the music instead of just listening to <laughs> overanalyzing your own playing. Or totally. Yeah, like, yeah. And I hadn't really listened to very many recordings. So I really was just going on instinct. And like I play a bluegrass guitar because I was a bluegrass player before. So like, I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I got to develop a sound that I feel like I maybe wouldn't have developed if I had tried to learn it by listening to old recordings, Interesting. which is how I approached like all the other types of traditional music that I played before that. Maybe, yeah, maybe before we talk <laughs> about old time music, so you're playing bluegrass yeah. before that. Yeah. Um, when did you get into playing bluegrass music? Um, so I was a classical pianist entirely um, until I was like 24 and I randomly got invited to a bluegrass jam mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't play any bluegrass instruments and I hadn't done much singing and I just showed up. 
and I sang a couple songs, and that was like I just met all these cool people, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would imagine that going to, was that your first time at anything like that. Yes. Did you already know that you liked bluegrass music? No, not really. I mean, I had seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Sure. So this was like a couple years after that came out, but I didn't yeah. like see that movie and think, "Ooh, I want to play bluegrass" at all. So. It really was just this random thing where uh, I took a chance on this this experience that could be like terrible or neutral or great, and I just didn't know what to expect at all. Now, so. classical pianists, yeah, I feel like at least my experience is like I'm always kind of looking for an out, like a reason to continue playing music but not have to play classical music. Like, why did you? go from classical piano to bluegrass guitar? I mean, I was super into classical piano. Okay. I went to college, I wanted to go to grad school at Juilliard and become a classical pianist and like tour Europe. And I had these giant yeah. dreams. And I was also like sort of always feeling like I wished that there were more down to earth contexts for it. Like I really yeah. wanted to play Chopin and smoky bars and stuff, you know? And yeah. like, I don't know, I just needed it to like mix with the world I came from. And it seemed like super upper class and uh, right. kind of brittle and dying. And that part depressed me, but I still really, I loved like the emotional depth of the music and, yeah. uh, so at the time when I got invited to this bluegrass jam, I dropped out of college for three years and I was kind of drifting and I wasn't really like, I didn't have the momentum I had with piano before. So I think I was just ready for something, some other way to engage with music and bluegrass kind of had all these community aspects to it. Um, and people saying, oh, keep doing this instead of like, well, we don't know if you're good enough and you might get into Juilliard and you might not. And yeah. like, yeah, yeah. you weren't perfect <laughs> just then. So, you yeah. know, um, so it was, um, it was kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, so real. There is so much pressure on piano players. Yeah. Because like, I think there's like a lot of them. Yeah. And then like, in order to like make a living doing it, you know, like to make a living performing, you have to be like the best. Yes. And then to, I feel like also to make a living, like just you doing piano stuff as a service, you also have to be like really goddamn good yeah. <laughs> at it because like sight reading, playing for like rehearsals or like just, mm -hmm. just yeah. like a lot of. <laughs> there is a lot and there are not very many jobs and yeah, it's really competitive. And so I was kind of happy to, uh, not have to do that, not have to engage with that Shoot. and find yeah. another way to music. So why guitar though? Um, not really sure. <laughs> uh, my dad got me a guitar after I went to that bluegrass jam. Yeah. And so I guess it just seemed like the obvious thing. Hmm. It seems like I'd never heard of mandolins before and yeah. fiddle seemed really hard. Um, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I realize now that my sense of that That's correct. all. The first two years. <laughs> rough. Yeah. Uh, Joel, I recently uh, uh, mentioned you in your like Facebook post about wanting to throw your fiddle in the trash. Right. Like, that got a lot of mileage. <laughs> yeah, it did. I, yeah, I, I mentioned that in a recent like episode. I don't nice. know if it's out yet or not, but yeah, yeah, just talking about it was so validating to post that yeah. to see like, who was like, I feel the same way. I'm like, oh my god, all these people that I look up to are like are telling me what they want to do. The best players are like, I'm so bad at fiddle. <laughs> yeah, I recorded. I was just like, oh, cool. I'm gonna keep playing fiddle. Nice. <laughs> I mean, so that being said, the guitar may like seem less intimidating. But I think it's really hard to play like good old time guitar. <laughs> it's like I've just recently kind of started getting into it and actually like playing it on the show. And it's like really hard to play accurately and on time. And then if you want to do anything other than like just <laughs> sort of the basics, it like I feel like it just takes a lot of courage and physical endurance. And <laughs> uh, yeah, what was that? journey like um, building up all these new muscles i mean specifically for all-time guitar i yes. sort of had already built them up because sure. i played an occasion dance band for a long time okay. and um endurance wise that will like 
take care of all your endurance needs forever. So you're already just um, diesel. And, <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, pretty much. Super small, ready to play. <laughs> and as far as like the base runs go, I like I I play bluegrass, and so like you learn to play bluegrass solos, and then old time backup bass yeah. runs seem not very hard. Yeah. So I feel like all of that stuff was like already there for me, and it was really just um, understanding how the groove differed from um, bluegrass and differed from Cajun and like anything that I'd ever played before, and also like every fiddle player sort of establishes that differently, and every mm -hmm. banjo player too. So it's like um, locking into that with every different combination of people that you're playing with is your job. Great. I want to ask more about that. Let's play another All tune. Right. Cool. Um, we just played Merryweather. <laughs> White Cockade. White Cockade. Which you told me, Joel, is uh -huh. a some sort of flower on a hat. A, a, <laughs> yeah, helmet. that's as far as I know. Um, it has a yeah, flower on a hat. Soldiers, maybe French Revolution. Okay. Great. <laughs>
love that too. Yeah, that's yeah, me too. really, really pretty. Especially to end on that note every time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Jule. Cameron. <laughs> when you... <laughs> when you... You, you said that you changed the way... I mean, it's sort of an obvious thing to say. You changed the way that you play, like, based on, um, you know, the fiddler or the, the context that you're in. Obviously, that would be the case in all, all genres. But how do you adjust the way that you play, <laughs> like, for different fiddlers? What are, like, the cues hmm. that they give that um, make you... Yeah, like, what does that look like? Oh, I think it's mainly just subtle timing adjustments. Like, I feel like when, if you took, like, five different fiddlers and had them play the same tune, yeah. they wouldn't necessarily play it with the same subtleties of timing. Um, and, like, the way that, uh, the way that they, like, control the energy <clears throat> flow of the tune would be different a little bit. So... Yeah. I feel like it's just stuff like that. It's, I'm just trying, I'm trying to like um, support the energy flow through the tune. Yeah. And I, I, that feels really nonspecific, but sure. I, like it starts by just trying to fit in and blend into the timing as much as possible. And then it ends up feeling like, um, like how can I just make the flow be as good feeling as possible? Yeah, because you're, I guess the, the rhythmic palette, like that you're that you have, you, you just have um, quarter notes like boom check boom check, and yeah. you don't. I don't think I've ever heard you play anything up. No. Um, so I guess when you say that you're listening to the nuances of the fiddler's timing, you're talking about where those notes go as opposed to um, which notes to play because you're playing yeah, the whole time. Yeah, it's not really which notes or. Sometimes it is, it's like if you place a bass run, a particular bass run in a certain place, or you wait to change a chord when like yeah. it seems like a chord should resolve, yeah. but then you hang out on the five chord for the whole phrase, even though the fiddler resolves, I feel like that creates energy that goes into the new part yeah. that's about to start. Um, so I know I do that a lot, and it, uh, it feels like that does gives a nice energy boost in that spot. Yeah, he, for example. Here's a question. I feel like, yeah, the rules for um, what the chords are in all-time music is uh, always up for debate and debated. <laughs> <laughs> like, people feel yeah. some kind of way about every chord, you know, in every context, you know. But um, how, do you make, how do you make those decisions uh, mm. on, a, <laughs> on a, like, aesthetic, but also kind of on a, like, I guess you could say a political well, level, you know? Yeah, I've definitely played with fiddle players who um, prefer it when there are no chord changes. Um, one chord tunes. One chord tunes, do yeah. You, how do you feel about and, that? I mean, it's not instinctively the place where I go, but yeah. recently I've done it a little bit and I've um, I've really enjoyed the trancyness of that. Yeah. And I've also sort of gotten bored with my tricks, you know? Sure. <laughs> I'm sort of like, yeah. okay, it's time to time to try something totally different. And so yeah. that is totally different from what I've been doing. Because my impression of bluegrass music, and I think for a lot of classical piano music too, is that it's like, it's a lot more at home in like a Western music theory, like, this is a chord progression like the you know the melody fits into a chord progression and dictates the chords but in old time like often you know like we're just i think in the that first tune in merryweather mm -hmm. on the third phrase you play the same phrase as the first phrase but you have a um an e in the double stop hmm. you voice an e in the double stop but you're still playing a g chord um, even though, like, you would almost be implying, like, a six chord or a four chord, I feel like that kind of, but you're still playing. Yeah. Yeah, a, a one. And I feel like that kind of stuff is, like, way more precedented. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, th I think in bluegrass fiddling, there's stuff like that, too. Like, yeah. there's um, the thing where you, like, do, 
you're playing your melody, but you play it with a bar so that you have fifth right. above, and that creates all this dissonance. And sure. uh, there's a lot of that in bluegrass harmony singing as well. And that's yeah. always what I loved is like when outside notes are yeah. in this ostensibly just simple music, right? Making it sort of stealthily complex. So, uh, although I feel, I feel like when it happens in old time music, it's it's out of a different spirit. <laughs> like it's coming yeah. from a much different place. It's more mm. just like. Uh, uh, it's it's not as decisive, um, or it's it's not a being clever. Yeah. It's inherently clever. <laughs> it's supposed to like clever you mean on purpose. It's less deliberate. Yeah. It's maybe because there's an open string below where you're playing on the fiddle or something, and yeah. you play it. But I really like that. So do I. But <laughs> I think that's really yeah special to listen to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So uh, the the political like yeah aspect of it like um, so you said some people some players like one chord mm-hmm. <laughs> tunes um, and then people feel all sorts of ways about minor chords mm-hmm. yeah there are definitely people who don't yeah. like minor chords in there and um, or even four chords sometimes right for people so I. Um, I like to try things. I mean, I like to not necessarily play all the chords in the tune the same way every single repetition. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that if I were to play in a concert setting, I would probably want to work these things out and figure out my favorite version of it. But um, yeah, I don't. I I guess I still feel like sort of an outsider in terms of like I I don't um, I don't know the material and the political parts. <laughs> uh, I'm just going on intuition. Yeah. Don't be bothered by the politics. <laughs> That's my advice. I'm not so much anymore. Keep doing yeah. It. I remember coming to that first jam at P's and Q's, mm-hmm. and I felt really apologetic and kind of uh, some trepidation about you know not. Not knowing the tunes totally. um, and maybe playing wrong chords that people didn't like, but um, I mean, I, I haven't like, had very many bad experiences with. That, I feel actually. like most of their like you know curmudgeons in old time music are really just like happy that people are at the end of the day they they don't want you to leave. Right. <laughs> like, maybe some of them like at the, when they're at their favorite festival playing with their favorite other players or something, you know. Sure. But like most of the time, I think they're. Yeah, it's been good. And actually, I feel like um, coming from the bluegrass world, there's a really um, refreshing anarchy to the old time world. Um, I mean, bluegrass is definitely very like rule bound and hide bound traditionalists are there and it's changing. But I, um, I remember being a bluegrass purist and also like feeling uh, constrained <laughs> mm-hmm. in what I wanted to sound like by bu- bluegrass purists, and the extent to which that's happened in the old time world is just minimal in comparison. Good. So, so that yeah. makes me want to keep playing old time music. Keep playing old time music. Bluegrass necessarily. <laughs> I mean, bluegrass is awesome. It it just has a lot more of that. I think. Yeah. I need to get to D. Oh yeah. I'm just gonna take a quick tuning break. So you may have said this off mic, but you you made a you made a comment earlier about feeling like you didn't know what the rules were, you didn't know what you were doing um, at some point in your old time guitar uh, journey. So you went to the recordings, and then <laughs> you found more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I found sort of this liberating sense that these people um, were making it up as they went along, and. <laughs> There, uh, and then you know, initially, I, w- I think I was saying to you, Joel, like it, it's, there's no rules, and no rules. and then you were like, well, there's rules about what not to do, <laughs> and I think that's also true. So like, yeah, right. there's definitely like parameters outside of which it doesn't. There are ways and not to sound good. <laughs> it's kind of true for every instrument in old time. You know, I found that when I was learning banjo, it was like, yeah. There's no <laughs> the right way to do this, yeah. Yeah. you know, but there is kind of a wrong way, you know, like there is a role and there's sort of subtle role yeah. for each instrument. So do you remember which sources you were like listening to? Like, where were you going to like try to listen in on? Uh... Uh, 
it was pretty casual. Like I heard some Carter Brothers and Son. Yeah. And that's like I like that. That's uh-huh. great. And um, I I feel like most of it was just sort of listening to recordings of fiddle players yeah. and maybe like they're like they would have a relative in the room backing them up. And right. you know, so it wouldn't even necessarily be a band. Um, I mean, if so, if one person has influenced like who I am as an old-time guitar player, it's probably Karen Heil, actually. So not recordings at all, but she's this incredible old-time fiddler and guitar player from the Bay her. Area. Oh, the she, you needles. should meet. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her guitar playing is tremendous, and like I, I do strive to be like her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she just gets great tone, and she does great bass runs, and uh, really robust style and. Tone's something I don't feel like I... I often feel like I don't hear a lot about any instrument in all-time music. (laughs) (laughs) Except for, like, some semi-ironic comments, you know? But, like, yeah, especially... I don't feel like I hear it about, like, guitar. Like, what do you like about, like, a tone in all-time guitar? And how do you achieve it? How do you get the tone you have? Well, um, I feel like... I mean, for with Karen, uh, she has this old Gibson, and she... Uh, she's really good at playing like rest stroke bass notes with her right hand. What do you mean and by rest stroke bass so, notes? I'm um, completely ignorant. Okay. I'm not just being an audience surrogate. Like, I actually don't know. This <laughs> for me. Um, it is when you play a bass note um, by popping your pick down to the next string and then you let it rest. And you rest on the okay. So it just gives you this really fat sounding tone that you that you don't necessarily get if you pick like outward or wow. don't specifically let it No one explains this to me. <laughs> My mind that makes so much sense. Uh, oh, excellent. Awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, so she does that and I don't always have um, adequate technique to do that, but I strive to do that and I just like, I like having fat tone in my bass notes when I do them. Yeah, because I guess if you're doing that, you're not just... You, I feel like usually one sort of picks... You, you're underneath the string a little bit and you pick out, but if you're doing that, you're you're forcing the string to like travel around your pick at yeah. like, and you're slapping it, sort of. Like right. it's slapping out from underneath. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and you can really only, I feel like I can really only do that when I'm doing a bass run rather than doing like bass strum, bass strum, because uh, mm-hmm. then you also, if you're rest stroking, then you have to pick up your pick again. Because there's nothing to rest onto. Right, it's just a control if you're strumming, issue. Right. So, um, hey, no, while we're talking about specifics, when you strum, how many strings do you strum, and when, and why? Oh, that's such a cool question. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like I usually strum like the top three, maybe. Okay. I just like the sound of it on this guitar. I mean, this guitar, I feel like, probably also shapes the sound that I go for sure. a lot because I just know it really well, and uh, I feel like it just has a really nice ring up there. Um, it would feel weird to do it in the middle, I don't know. Um, I guess I feel like the bass notes are already taking care of that part of the register. Yeah. And maybe the banjo somewhat as well. Yeah. And so on the offbeat, it's nice to hear the higher strings. Great. Yeah. How far up do you get when you play your bass runs? How far up? Oh, okay, so sometimes, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I usually stop on um, the third string open, but sometimes I go a little higher if it's in G, like sometimes if I'm doing a run, like like that could just go like that, or else it could be like, so like sometimes I do that, but I don't think I get much higher than that. Unless I'm being silly on a single tuning all the way to the second string, but like, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. Cool, so you're, um, the strum, you, wait, wait, which ones are which? Yeah, the or little ones are the lower numbers. Okay, so that's, that's one, one on banjo too, but I didn't know if you six. counted the same way. Okay, yeah. so on the first, second, and third, right, because you said that already. That's where mm-hmm. you strum and you do the rest of the business in like four, five, hmm. and six. Correct. Okay, Yeah. cool. Very good. <laughs> And rest strokes. Rest strokes. Well, I mean, I try to. Yeah. So I get. I guess. Yeah. Is your ideal like like 
someday to be able to really naturally switch back and forth between I would like to have and... that control yeah it's it's really just me practicing yeah. having more control in my right hand I would like that man now I want to do that too <laughs> I need to own a guitar again <laughs> that would help that's good that would help uh, I'm in D right. you in a double check my team okay, it's... <laughs> um do you want to unveil the new name, the new canon, oh, canonized do. name for this tune? <laughs> what a privilege this is. Yeah, it's um, a so, big moment in history. This tune is entitled, Ed Haley's Dog Ate the Woodchuck. Thank you. <laughs> you are welcome.
Man, I love that tuning. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah Training. Yeah. For your cool detuning. I don't think I've ever seen you play. We're in D now. I don't think I've ever seen you play uh, in C capoed up too. But no. I see a lot of old time players do that. Really? Yeah. Oh. So I'm wondering why do you do it in D instead of capoed up mm. in C? I think it rings more, and I just I like um, I like having the deep tones of the fifth and sixth string, and I also don't really. I don't particularly like having to play out of C in old time. Like I like C tunes because um, there's different things you can do, but I feel like D tunes sound nice with just open chords and the things that I can do with the bass. This explains it. This there. explains a mystery, because when I saw you play with Rats Gone to Rest at uh, TC O'Leary's, y'all were having. A C jam. <laughs> you were playing A chords. <laughs> yeah. Keep it up three. At times I was. <laughs> and I was I like, I have never seen that. <laughs> and that's just because you don't particularly like the, sh the shapes of the... Sometimes I don't. Yeah, I mean, there are tunes where I do like it and I can do some cool stuff with that. And there are tunes where I'm pretty much forced to do that because it just doesn't sound good out of A. But Why? there's... Like which, like, how do you know when uh, it's going to be a good one to? I, well, up? I don't usually know in advance. I just sort of uh, the the ones that I do know how they go. <laughs> I, I I do sort of try to keep a list in my head of which ones I don't like to play out of open C. Not that I remember any of those. Okay, songs. I was like, no, I can't you give you that list. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's ridiculous, I know. Okay. But like, yeah, I also feel like it's kind of like A can be a cool sound and have cool bass run possibilities that like, I mean, I guess. I guess because there's an open string for each chord tone. Yeah. That would probably help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bit. it yeah. just sounds nice sometimes over C tunes where you don't usually hear that. Yeah, that's a good so. point. Interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <it's>, I, <laughs> It's a personal decision. <laughs> it's, a, it's a personal choice. Yes. <laughs> it's a pro-choice. Yeah. Joel, do you hate it? I've actually never asked you. <laughs> no, I don't. I, like I told you earlier, I'm just still self-conscious enough about my own playing that I'm yeah. not critiquing yours. <laughs> okay, well, when you get around to it, let me know. <laughs> no. um, yeah, do you have any... Do you have any advice? for um, people who are wanting to get into uh, playing old-time guitar. Let's just say first, people who aren't playing old-time music. Mm -hmm. How do people learn how to play old-time music uh, through the guitar? Um, the way that I've always approached learning a new genre or style is to just um, find those of my friends who play that style yeah. and go play it with them. Great. And so I, I really do think like the total immersion yeah. technique is, that's what works for me at least. Yeah. Um, so if you can possibly do that, that's the best. If you're privileged go start enough to have like, <laughs> talented people who, yeah. who, who don't make you feel bad about yourself. Totally. And it is such a privilege. I feel incredibly yeah. lucky to have that and to, like have been surrounded by that. Um, so if you don't have that, I guess um, I guess a good way to start would be with YouTube videos and going to concerts yeah. and uh, um, listening to recordings. And then when you feel like that's kind of given you enough knowledge, maybe take lessons. Um, get to the point where you feel like you can go and find other players mm. who you can learn from. Do you do you hear the tunes? in your head like do you when you're listening to a fiddler yeah do you like i know some good old-time guitarists who like know all the tunes like if they could sing them like fiddle tunes are hard to sing but if they could sing them they could just recite them they know all the notes like maybe not the letters like i, I but i also know other old-time guitarists who don't think about the notes at all they just hear these sort of intuitive cues. And mm. I guess we're on that spectrum, right? I um, I can't help, th like when I hear something, I know what the notes are and it's just automatic. So like, it's not like, 
what I need to do is memorize more of the tunes and put like put the my memory of the melody together with mm. the title. But like when I'm hearing music and playing music, uh, like I can uh, I know what notes Joel is playing. Is that was that wow. your question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so like yeah, that's that's something that happens automatically for me, and um, yeah. I think it's probably from doing Suzuki piano as a kid because that gives you a really Here's, good ear. Okay, and I was gonna ask. Because I was like, hey, piano so. players are often, I don't know, like tied to the page. Yeah, they're often tied to the page, mm-hmm. uh, but Suzuki that would make yeah sense. Yeah, you're actually taught to like listen. To you are. So that is, I feel lucky about that too, because it helps a lot. So you know how to pick out like individual, like notes Mm -hmm. and, and you're not just working on intuition. Like you're thinking about I guess not. No, it feels like intuition to me. There's a lot of stuff underneath that supporting it. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think it's something that I've kind of taken for granted a little bit until, until I really started trying to play all time guitar and jams. Um, especially like tunes where where it was ambiguous what I was supposed to do and it's like this is like a lot of responsibility like I don't know how to follow these cues like and and I was coming from a place of like I already knew all the tunes like on banjo and yeah. I like to and I like to play notes on the banjo but then it was like oh now I have to like think about I have to use a different part of my brain yeah I guess that's true yeah. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to play guitar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose you do. I feel like there probably is a lot of stuff that's automatic for me that I'm just missing that it's a part of it that um, that often needs to be consciously learned. It does feel like it comes pretty natural. And I guess I'm sort of unafraid of just totally messing up too, which is so, like, I'm usually not like that, so... Um, I, I mean, at least in jams, I feel like I approach it uh, with in the spirit of, well, I might really make a lot of mistakes here, but then I will, then then I'll know something about it I didn't know before, and the next time around, hopefully, I'll make less of them. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Figure out what to do. Yeah, I I often feel like really shitty when I tell my students this. Because I think it comes, like, especially coming from me, it comes from, like, a little bit of a place of privilege. But, like, I got as good as I am at old-time music because I was willing to be bad and, like, unengratiate myself (laughs) to people, you know? And I was willing to put myself out there. And if there was a new technique that I wanted to learn, then I would, like, play it too much, you know, until I... And then I would pull it back, you know? like, And just being willing to... (laughs) Does that sound yeah. good to you? Yeah. Like, it, like, potentially be a burden, but, like, it's so important. It is so important. Learning, you know? And I feel like it's just yeah. important to, like, for being a person, too. Like, I'm yeah. s- sort of sick of trying to be perfect in many respects, mm-hmm. and this is, like, one of the first places where I was like, okay, I'm just going to do what I do and see what happens. And, uh, like, if only I could do that in all areas all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How wonderful life would be. <laughs> I feel like there's, like, the natural conclusion to, like, what sh- how should people, like, get really good at all-time guitar is to, like, um, like go to therapy. <laughs> just, like, figure stuff out. <laughs> so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that figured out then you'll be able to find music yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. uh okay so that was ed haley's dog ate the woodchuck for those of you who don't know ed haley named his dog indian for reasons i can't even begin to comprehend <laughs> Yeah. And no. that's a better tune name. Yeah. <laughs> Which we just added this And morning. it makes yeah. us all smiles. Also, <laughs> Ed Haley, uh, Lost Ed Haley's dog or Ed Haley's <laughs> Lost Dog? <laughs> yeah. No, Lost Ed Haley's dog. I sort of like the Lost Ed Haley's dog. Ed Haley's dog on a stone. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Pretty little Ed Haley's dog. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so, we have uh, one more tune okay. <laughs> to play on the official interview. Yes. Then we're going to play Booger Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for for agreeing to do this. Well, thanks for, for asking me. Yeah, giving me your really um, Friday afternoon. <laughs> Um, Rats Gone to Rest <laughs> Yeah Plays do you, How regular, regularly do you guys play at TCU O'Leary's? Is that a regular thing? Um, I think we'd like it to be yeah. But I think we have to skip yet. a couple months Okay, that's what, that's what we're plugging <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what we're plugging yeah. TCU O'Leary's I think our next date's like end of May Okay, By cool. the way This won't come out before the Willamette Valley Old Time Social I don't think Oh. Actually, it will. It'll come out the week of. Because you guys are playing that, right? Yes, yes we are. Yeah, yeah. you're playing the square yeah. dance. Great. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I think it should come out right before then. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for coming back, Joel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks me. for coming. It's always a blast. Yeah. It's nice to not have to learn a bunch of tunes and then carry them. So I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, should we play the Sugar Hill? Yeah. <laughs>
Julie's band, Rats Gone to Rest, is playing the square dance at the Willamette Valley Old Time Social. Make sure to catch them if you're going. And if you're not going, and you're within a reasonable commute, what are you doing? Go to the Willamette Valley Old Time Social. I'm going to be there. It's going to be great. Let's hang out and play tunes and dance to Rats Gone to Rest. Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp for sponsoring this episode. You can register at earfuloffiddle.com. Also, thank you to Elderly Instruments for sharing the show with your customers. You can visit Elderly Instruments' online store at elderly.com. Follow the link in the show notes to pre-order Get Up in the Cool Volume 3, the best of 2018 compilation album. And if you want a physical copy, you better act soon because they are scarce. And if you want to hang out with me twice a week, I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or boxset.website. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.